0: Hey everyone, welcome to This is Steph Sober, a weekly podcast for those in need of some sober support. I'm your host Steph, and in this episode, I chat with Susanna. Now, it may not sound like it in the conversation, but Susanna and I just met. Other than a few quick DMs to schedule her for the podcast, we had never spoke before. Susanna and I have very similar stories, especially when it comes to why we drank. And while we cover sobriety and share the similarities and realizations we both have had, what I love most about this episode is that it is an example of how sobriety brings people together. So if you are worried that you will be alone or lost in your sobriety, please know that there are so many of us waiting to connect with you. Susanna, thank you for reaching out to me and for coming on the show and sharing your story. It has been truly a pleasure, and I am so happy to have connected with you. This is Susanna Sober. Well, I'm so glad we get to do this today. Thank you um, last minute, but it was like perfect timing. I was actually sitting there going, All right, I need a podcast for next week. And then I get on Instagram, and you messaged me, and I'm like, ask and you shall receive. It's meant to be. So Well, that's what I think
1: at the moment. Some of these things are just meant to be, aren't they? You know, yeah. and uh, there's always like a right time to do stuff. And if something just sort of lands in your lap, then go, go, go for
0: it. Yeah, I agree. Let's start with, I want to hear a little bit about you. Are you married? You you, you said you had three boys. Like, I want to hear a little bit about your life first and get yeah, to know you.
1: So- Yes, so I'm um I'm married and I've got three boys. And I live in the UK, which you can probably tell by my accent. Yes. Um, <laughs> and um, I've been sober. It's be, oh, I'm coming up to my one year, so next month, uh, so the awesome.
0: big one. I'm really excited for it. And like uh, being a year so there's such this amazing buildup. So you're eleven months sober then, or? You know, what, actually,
1: I'm well, no, because my sober date's the end of um April. So oh, i okay. literally just had my 10 months, but because it's next month, I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah. it's
0: nearly there, nearly there. Well, you are nearly there. Yeah. How so, do yeah. you I mean, how do you feel coming up to one year? Like honestly, where are you at compared to at the beginning?
1: So I have just come so far from last, you know, April, May time last year. Um, yeah, the journey's been incredible. I I think I've learned so much more about myself and who I am, which I really struggled to before. Um, yeah, I think I think it's both the sort of physical and emotional change. Just it's just huge. It just really is huge. I was struggling so much. Well, like, you know, I was in the sort of moderation hamster wheel like trying to moderate for a good two three years worried about my drinking Um, it was taking up so much emotional energy that I was constantly thinking about it and I don't think anyone else from the outside would have thought that I had a problem even my husband wasn't sure you know that I had a problem but it was just taking up so much time and energy um, and it was really getting to me, really, really upsetting me and physically as well, because I was really suffering from horrendous hangovers. Um, but then that wouldn't stop me. You know, maybe that would stop me for a day or two. And I would swear that I was never going to do it again. And then, you know, the cravings kick in and I give in. And again, by, you know, six o'clock, I was having another glass of wine. So it was just this really awful cycle and I just couldn't get out of it. Um, And I tried quite a few times, you know, I did the dry January and the sober Octobers and that sort of stuff. And I was able to stop for a good month. But what I was doing differently was that I was just counting down to the time that I um, could have my next drink. So, you know, when I was moderating, I was just saying, oh, well, I'll just stop drinking during the week, Um, you know, and and then I can have a drink on Friday. Or we'll just, uh, we won't drink at home at all. We'll just drink if we go out for dinner or with friends or something. And then I was constantly looking forward to that time when we were going to, you know, I was able to have a drink. And what's different this time is that I'm now, I'm counting away and counting away from the last time I had a drink. So, which is just a huge shift, you know, I don't, I don't want to drink. I'm not interested. I'm not having the cravings. Um, and yeah, that's kind of the main, the main differences. You know, I was just always so looking forward to having that drink. And now I just, I, I, I'd i always be scared actually to have one. I'm kind mm-hmm. of in that space now. I just really, yeah. I don't want anything to do with it.
0: I love that shift because what I hear in that, because First of all, what I hear in that is myself. Mm -hmm. Like that was me trying to moderate, and I think there's this false sense of control if we're moderating that we're in control. Like if we can do a dry January, then we're in control, and that's all we need to prove at the time, right? We can do 30 days, like you said, but you're looking forward to the end of those 30 days to go back to the drink, isn't it? Yeah, or setting the yeah, and then you set the rules. Okay, I'm only gonna drink starting on Thursdays. That was my thing. Like I'm not going to drink during the week, which (laughs) didn't always work. There were times where I would just be like, Oh my God, I deserve at least one glass of wine, you know, on a Monday, if it was a hard day, but setting all these rules. But really what that does is it gives us this false sense of we are in control of our drinking. But like you said, really the drink is in control of you. If you are doing that, it's controlling you. You're obsessing over it. It is the one in control. And I love how you said that when you start counting away from it, instead of counting towards it, that's when you take the control back. That's when you are finally in control of your addiction to alcohol. Yeah,
1: that's exactly it. You know, I, I was powerless, you know, I really was. And, um, whenever I think, or whenever I had a craving or whenever I think, you know, have that romantic kind of, um, idea of having a glass of wine on a sunny day I not only play the tape forward, but I also think about all those times when I was really, really struggling to stop. And it, you know, it didn't just happen for me. I, I tried a lot of times to stop, and I said I was going to stop a lot of times, and then suddenly it just worked. And you know, it's what we were saying earlier. It just happened to be that right time for me, and thank God that that was the time because I just. I don't know where I would be if I was still doing the, you know, the same stuff that I was doing last year.
0: Let's talk about that. The day you quit. Yeah. Was there, was there a a huge hangover involved? Was it a buildup? Tell me a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, there was a big hangover involved. Um, Nothing spectacular and nothing that hadn't kind of happened before. We had some people over for dinner. And everyone was drinking and I probably had a, a bottle or two of white wine, but, you know, over the course of maybe five, six hours, which was kind of normal, I guess. And, yeah, I had an awful hangover. And the following day, um, I couldn't get out of what we were doing. Like, I had to just get on and do it. And we had some, um, there was a run in our village and I was doing some marshalling. And so I had to sort of direct the runners where they were going. And um, it was quite a big community thing, and um, I I knew I was going to be sick, and I was sick behind a hedge, really unglamorous and really awful, um, and you know really shaming. I I felt no one saw it, but you know I knew what was happening, and I felt awful, and I went straight home after it was over and got into bed, and I just I said to my husband, I was like, I can't, I can't keep doing this. This is awful. You know, I've just, I wanted to enjoy the day. And yeah, and then I just made the decision. Um, So that was on a Sunday. And then on the Monday night, I went to my first AA meeting, which was, um, yeah, which was really a scary thing to do, but the best decision that I've ever made. And lots of people, I think, the majority of people would have thought my drinking was more kind of grey area drinking. But I, I don't think it really matters what you know, what you do to stop drinking that was the push that I needed. I needed, you know, this group of people who understood me and understood what I was thinking and would hold me accountable, which is 100% what's happened. Um, so I'm completely up for whatever gets you sober, you know, whatever you need to do, whatever works
0: for you for that individual is, you know, fine by me. Yeah, I agree with that because you had mentioned. Um, that your husband didn't see your drinking as a problem and my husband didn't see my drinking as a problem. Um, People in my family were really confused by it too. And just like you, there were times where I was questioning my alcohol and I would say like, God, am I drinking too much? And I would have people say, Oh my gosh, just cut back. You're fine. If you just maybe don't drink every day or, you know, just drink on the weekends or like just drink at dinner, you know, all these rules once again. And it's, It's sad because I feel I don't ever want to put it on anyone else. Like, I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying because people don't understand how much that can affect the person. If someone comes to you and says, I feel like my drinking's a problem. And then you talk it down. I mean, that's all we need, right? That's all we need is validation. Okay. To carry on. But I think like what I even hear you saying is. It finally gets to a point where it's like enough's enough. Like you are so sick of doing this to yourself and you know, deep in your, (laughs) deep in your gut, this is a problem. I don't Mm -hmm. care what anyone else thinks anymore. This is a problem. And then like for you, you went to AA for me. I went, I went, I went 99 days without drinking before I started to seek out community because you're right. You have to feel like what you're doing is valid in a in a sense because i think alcohol does this thing where we don't trust ourselves anymore we don't trust our decisions because we were continually basically letting ourselves down for years we were letting ourselves down especially when no one around us saw it as a problem no one else felt let down by the drinking right it was only ourselves it was something we carried so to find a community that says yeah it was a problem for me too it's just i think it just helps build that that argument against alcohol that argument that oh maybe I can be a moderate drinker or maybe I could go back to it someday it just solidifies that like no the norm isn't drinking most of us most people cannot drink alcohol and not become addicted to it that is what it's made made to be so yeah I agree with you on whatever it takes to get sober find find your thing
1: yeah it's so true and um you know even when i said to my husband that i was going to that aa meeting you know i i felt that i didn't have another choice i had spoken to my doctor who just you know said that oh I, you i'm sure you don't have a problem like there's you know it's anxiety or it's depression i spoke to my therapist who just taught, gave me a couple of books to read um but no one was actually you know, actively helping me. And the reason that I went to AA is because honestly, I I didn't have another choice. Like mm-hmm. I didn't, I, I couldn't find another way. And at the time I didn't know about the kind of online sober community and all of that, which is amazing resource. Um, but yeah, I didn't have any of that. And, um, you know, it worked and it worked for me. But even mm-hmm. after I came home from my first meeting, I remember my husband said like, oh, so, so what now? And I, I said, well, I, I'm not going to drink again. And he almost was like, well, you, surely you can just sort of learn how to drink normally. <laughs> and I was like, I don't think it works like that. But after one meeting, you know, he didn't know. And I have kind of explained to him now what happens. But in a way, that's what I was looking for before I went. I was like, oh, maybe they, this group of people can help me drink like a normal person and learn to moderate without it consuming, um, you know, all my, all my mind. But that's one of the biggest sort of shifts that I've noticed, just this calm and um, just this quiet mind. You know, I've always been, I've always had terrible insomnia and bad anxiety, And um, I've just really noticed recently just a sense of just contentment, I guess, and calm and quiet. And I just feel so happy about the smallest stuff. Like it's really sunny here in the UK today. It's really cold, but it's really sunny. And I'd normally be, you know, complaining about how cold it is or, you know, but it's just so beautiful. There's not a cloud in the sky and it affects me in a different way to how it used to. I was always a very kind of glass half empty girl and I just thought that was the way that I was and I was you know quite a negative person and actually I'm really not. I'm a really positive person which is I just had no idea about and I'm just learning all these different things about me and it's amazing isn't it how just giving up you know alcohol can just change your life so hugely and you really learn that it's not just about the drink you know there's so much more that you know you can learn about yourself by you know getting sober it's 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 mad really
0: it's mad and it's beautiful and it's oh my gosh it's emotional I mean to finally learn who you are I don't know how long you drank but I started drinking at 14 so I had a lot of learning of who I really was because I always used alcohol to change who I was, like to socialize more and like just to try to be who everyone needed me to be. Because anytime you're trying to force yourself outside of your comfort zone and you have conditioned yourself that alcohol will help you with that, that's all you know, and that's all you do. And that's all I did until 14 months ago. And so, yeah, there's a lot of like discovery of what you like and finding out Oh my gosh, I'm really not that negative of a person, or I really am confident in that area of my life, or I really do love this about myself. And I like to do these things. You know, it's like this. I always say it's like peeling back an onion. And I say an onion because there's tears. You know, every time you peel back another layer and you discover a part of you that alcohol stole, it's emotional. It's like, It's like finding an old friend that you've missed for so long. And it's just, I don't, it's like so hard to put it into words. But I know you know exactly the feeling I'm talking about.
1: Yeah, I really do. And it is hard to explain, isn't it? Unless you kind of know. But yeah, I actually, I didn't start drinking that young. Um, I, one of the reasons why now I can see that I did start drinking, it was due to a couple of traumatic things that happened in my 20s. And I gradually, I didn't start drinking um, straight away on those things. But definitely um, after my first two children in my 30s, that's when it really, you know, became more of a problem. and I turned into a bit more of a daily drinker, or at least a sort of four or five nights a week drinker. So it wasn't until probably about four or five years ago, that I it was, you know, started consuming my thoughts, really. And that's, um, you know, and I hadn't processed any um, grief from, um, you know, losing. I lost my mum when I was 22. And I had an Process that or at all and I was just drinking on that and then yeah followed by another couple of things that happened and you know that was for me it was all about numbing my feelings and I just didn't have any coping mechanisms I didn't know what else to do and alcohol numbed those feelings that those uncomfortable feelings that I needed to confront and therefore I just never I never dealt with them and I never confronted them and I was able to do that you know after about probably six or seven months of sobriety,
0: which is just, which is just amazing. Mm -hmm. I relate to that. Actually, I think you're one of the first people that I've spoken to that actually said they were numbing like sad emotions because a lot of people, when I tell them that they're like, Oh gosh, when I would drink, it would just make me cry more and make me more emotional. Like they really have a hard time wrapping their brain around the fact that that's why I drank so thank you for sharing that part of it because it makes me feel like, okay, it because sometimes you do question yourself even in that, like, was that weird that I did that? But it really did, in a sense, help me. We know now it wasn't helping anything, right? But at the time, I felt it was helping me stay strong when things were sad, things were upsetting, things were uncomfortable. I felt like it numbed that out. But- for me, and I don't know if you relate to this too, you may, it created anxiety because I never dealt with it. I suffered from panic attacks and horrible anxiety. And I didn't know that that's why, but when I started diving into what anxiety was, which is you know not dealing with emotions properly, And then add alcohol to it, which causes anxiety anyway. It's just all that's when things really started, you know, connecting the dots for me. And I realized I have to get off this alcohol because it's just not it's making things way worse.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, that was pretty much exactly the same as me. Yeah. After my mom died um, the following year, I was actually involved in the Boxing Day tsunami in Thailand. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was right in the middle of that and you know obviously the things that I saw there I mean it was you know unspeakable it was really a horrendous situation to be in and also obviously a threat to my life as well so that was sort of another angle um so you know followed by some other couple of things that happened but the combination with the grief from my mom and then that I think it really you know it opened my eyes to just how valuable life is. But instead of kind of seizing it, um, I did just start getting these horrendous like anxiety attacks and panic attacks, also awful nightmares. And that's sort of when the insomnia started. So even though I wasn't daily drinking then, I was definitely binge drinking, you know, in my mm-hmm. 20s. And uh, yeah, they sometimes would end up in tears, you know, like kind of you drinking all of the evening or you have some crazy argument with your boyfriend. Um, you know, then quite often it did end up in tears, but I think, um, the actual numbing out in my thirties was because I just didn't want to confront those, those feelings and I didn't have anything else, you know, to deal with them. I wasn't sure how to, and yeah, they would initially, of course they suppress the anxiety, but then the next day it was twice as bad you know so oh how am I going to deal with this again oh I'm just going to have another glass of wine and obviously the cycle continues until you realize what you're doing um and actually it wasn't until I did completely stop drinking that I did I thought I'd always have anxiety it was never a I didn't ever sort of think oh I'll stop um I'll stop drinking and then my anxiety will go and my sleep will be better I didn't think that these were like amazing bonuses that happened for me so um so yeah, those are those are two things obviously that I was so pleasantly surprised by. And now I oh my sleep is amazing. It's such it's crazy after probably 15 years of um insomnia, waking up at one in the morning um and being wide awake, panicking with that horrible feeling in your chest that like impending doom, like something really bad's gonna happen, that busy mind that you can't switch off until 4, 4:30. the morning and then eventually falling asleep and then being exhausted you know when your kids come in at 6 30 or 7 in the morning real struggle and now i'm getting you know eight hours sleep a night and it's unbelievable and i think my body is it was exhausted like you know it just it's healing as Mm -hmm. well my body's healing my mind's healing and i'm able to do that now that i'm not drinking and i think the sleep i read somewhere Um, last week actually that was saying um, something about when you're um, when you stop drinking and um, you do start to heal and you do feel really tired and it's just your body's way of healing itself so I did feel pretty tired at the beginning but um, I just needed it I needed that sleep Mm -hmm. and I needed that rest and then it shows in other ways, doesn't it? You know, like your skin and your hair, and weight loss, and all of those—you know—great bonuses that come after that. So, yeah, I I can't say a bad thing about it. I'm I know. just I just think it's
0: amazing. I just I wish that I had done it earlier, but it obviously just wasn't my time, you know. Right, exactly. It is healing, and I was really tired at the beginning too, because like you, I. I had a hard time sleeping. I, yeah, I would wake up two, three in the morning with just like, like you said, that dread, like something bad's happening. And yeah, as we know now, I just, cause, cause all this buildup of things that I just kept pushing away, pushing away. So now that you are sober, what do you do? What tools do you use now to deal with the hard stuff? Like the heavy emotions, the confrontation, things like that. Do you have things that you go to?
1: Yeah. So I, um, I do have my Instagram, um, which is quite new. Um, but I've, you know, I've found so many people on there who are so supportive and I, I used to really laugh at those quotes and the motivational quotes and the healing quotes. And I was like, oh, they're, you know, just so boring or what are you, you know, all of that stuff. But now they really hit me, some of them. I'm like, that is amazing. or that's beautiful. You know? And so I do, um, I kind of spend quite a bit of time actually on there. Um, and it's, a, it's it's fairly new to me. So I'm I'm sort of building building on that. But I'm trying to do a lot of reading. I've got some great books. The pile next to my bed is just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, so I am slowly getting my way through those. So it's a lot of healing and a lot of self-growth. I'm quite into Rahini healing which is all about energies and uh, releasing negative energies and things like that. And obviously I go to my meetings, so I only do maybe one or two a week which help me. I understand that everybody's got a different, you yeah. know, attitudes about AA, that's absolutely fine, but for me there's a really great community where I where I live. Um so I do at least try and go to one a week, but then if I don't go it's not the end of the world. So yeah, so those are kind of my Go to things really, my main things. But I think also you need, you do need that community, don't you? You need to not feel like you're alone, which is how I really felt in the last couple of years uh, when I was drinking. I just felt no one was drinking like me. No one felt the way that I did, and I just felt lost um, and deeply unhappy um, in myself. So yeah, it's it's amazing to be out of that and actually to realise how many people are feeling the same. And it's not, you know, it's not me with the problem. You know, it's not, I'm not an isolated person. There's so many other people who feel the same way, which is, which is, you know, which is so important, I think.
0: And I I love that we talk about it a lot in the sober Instagram community on my podcast, because I think back to who I was when I decided to get sober, which is very, very much what you were just saying. As humans, we want to belong to something, right? And Before getting sober, I belonged to a group of people and we got together and we vacationed together, but we all drank the same. I felt like I was the only one who had an issue with the drinking, like you're saying. And so there's this turmoil of like letting go of the community that you are currently in, that you feel connected to. And it's like, where am I going to end up? I don't know anyone sober. Are sober people even cool? Like, will I even get along with sober people? Like you, you have no idea. And so that's this, I think that's one of the biggest things that hold people back sometimes is the unknown. And that's in any situation in life, right? Anything new, like a new job, new relationship, anything where you're just kind of blindly jumping into it and hoping it turns out really well. But I think that's why we have to keep talking about this and people need to listen because they'll hear themselves in us and know Mm -hmm. like, Oh my gosh, like I could totally connect with this person. And just because they're sober doesn't mean they're completely like on like a straight narrow. Like we still all, we're all really come from a place of being broken and just building ourselves back up. And it's such a beautiful thing to do together. The Instagram community, you said you're new. It's like no other community I've ever experienced as far as support. It's so, mean, positive, isn't it? it's so positive and everyone just, and it doesn't matter. Like you said, you've got your AA people, you've got, everybody is on their own journey, but we all have the same goal and that's all that matters. And so we're so supportive and we're not like, well, you should do it this way. There's none of that. Mm-hmm. It's just all, I mean, I shouldn't say there's none of it, but.
1: I don't want to do it
0: enough. Yeah. (laughs) But I mean, it's not, it uh, definitely the good is outweighing the bad. And that's like all you can ask for in a community really. And uh, yeah, it's just, gosh, I can't say enough.
1: Yeah. Everyone's so supportive. You know, when you do reach those little milestones, you know, obviously I had my 300 days, like a couple of weeks ago and my 10 months earlier this week. And yeah, the support is amazing. It's just, it's just great. And then I'm so happy when I see somebody else, you know, get to their six months because that was a really good time. I remember six months feels amazing. You know, you're half, you've done half a year which is incredible. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's when there was a big turning point for me. Like I actually did find um, months five and six pretty tricky Um, but I think it was because I was learning so much about myself and there was definitely a big shift then. And it was frustrating because I had another kind of depressive cycle around that time. Um, And I was, I, nothing particularly like triggered it, um, but I felt that I was frustrated because I thought that I wasn't going to have that again, because I'd had been on this pink cloud and everything had been great, but actually it's just the reality of life. But I do think that when challenges do come in sobriety, and, um, you know, life has challenges, right? Everybody has to deal with stuff, but you're so much better placed to deal with it. And it's so much easier. You don't need to make these things into a massive big drama. Actually, you know, break it down, look at it logically. Don't just, you know, run to the fridge and pour a glass of wine and, you know, stress about something. Actually, just work your way through it. And yeah, you're much, it's much easier, isn't it, just to deal with. Um, issues that come um, and that's what I found but I'm I am I'm so supportive of other people like I'm so happy when other people suddenly turn that corner and they you're like oh they've got it now they they get it now they understand and it's so great to see because I actually want everybody to feel like this you know hey, I, um, I really hope that you know if I can just help one person you know from listening to this who's just thinking yeah that's how I felt You know, yeah, do it because you won't look back and you'll never regret it. I don't think anyone has ever said, oh, I regret not, you know, not drinking.
0: And to know that you're worth it, because I think sometimes people just don't think that they're worth all of that, you know, and it's funny you said it it was around the five five or six months that were really tough for you. Because once again, um, even if you go back on my Instagram, I remember there was a time where I just wasn't on very much. It was, I was having a hard time and I needed to go inward. I, I love being there, I loved being there for the community, but I went through this phase where it was like I just, I was re- like everything of who I really was was coming to a head. And I was trying to process it. And I was trying to like, what does this mean? And I think it's important for people to take the time to do that because we are all rooting for each other, but we can get caught up sometimes and not recognize that we need to like go inward and and be with ourselves and heal and sleep and journal and do all the things to work through. Especially people like you and I, who just have never learned how to process emotions properly to take the time to do that. It is, it's a lot and it's, it's work, but it's so worth it when you do it. And some of it, like journaling is so new to me. And I used to think it was so stupid. I'm like why why would i write all this down and i've been doing it l- a lot lately it's f- it's the most simple thing you can do but it has such a huge impact like it gets it out of my system like where you know you can feel a little bit of heaviness or angst or whatever it may be it just it, it's the weirdest thing but you said you're really into energy work and things like that and i'm really like into that stuff too like i go get reiki done all the time and things like that and there's something to it. There really is something to like working it out of the body, like going out and moving. Uh, I I started lifting weights when I got sober, which was something I've always wanted to do. I just couldn't do it because I was hungover all the time. I mean, there's times I'll get done doing a set and I'll just cry because I walked into that workout, not wanting to do it, having a foul mood about something. And it's like amazing. It works its way out. Like it just because it gets caught up in there. Right. So I just, around five or six months, yeah, I, I struggled as well. But then once I got over that hump, it's about the time that I started the podcast or started thinking about doing the podcast. Like that's what happened. Like all these things were coming. I was letting go of so much negative energy and releasing it so that I could let all this light and positivity come in and like show up for the sober community and give back to them everything that they gave to me when I needed it.
1: Yeah. And opportunities seem to come your way more, you know, if you're more open to these things, I really have found that. So Rohini is quite similar to Reiki. So Mm -hmm. it's all about energy flows and, you know, things like trauma and that kind of stuff can get trapped in your body and it can actually, you know, really physically affect you. Like I've had a terrible back. Um, Really, really bad back pain, which I've been struggling with for um, about 12 years. Um, And doctors are baffled by I've had injections and all of these other things. And since doing this healing and stopping, I mean, it's still not great, but it's probably 80 percent better. Um, because I, I believe that I'm kind of, you know, this, this energy is actually releasing. I found a way of processing it. But I do think that, yeah, the more open you are to good opportunities, you know, and you should seize
0: those. It's it's fantastic. And I don't know in Rahini if they talk about alcohol as energy, but I know like with Reiki and other spiritual things that I have, you know, gotten into they talk about how alcohol is low vibrating. So anytime you're consuming alcohol and your body's trying to process hot alcohol, like your energy level cannot vibrate at a frequency that attracts positivity,
1: which yeah, makes and so you. much sense. That's exactly it. You know,
0: you it's, it's not, it's dulling your
1: emotions. You're dulling your feelings and just not letting you shine you know, and I understand that not everybody understands, you know, or, 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 or kind of gets the spirituality. But um, I've always been quite a spiritual person. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I really do feel now that I'm much more in tune to it. You know, it's another, another one of those things that, that sort of happened over the last, you know, five, six, seven months. And yeah, it just feels good. It feels really good.
0: Yeah, I've always been spiritual too. And I, I found, I went through my a spiritual awakening before I got sober and I, it was a process that I really struggled with. And as soon as I let go of the alcohol, everything has just flowed so much better. So yeah, I guess my point for anyone listening, that's getting into spirituality. If you can just let go of the alcohol, it really opens all that up. And your connection with source is just even better because you don't have that low vibrational substance just pulling you down and keeping you blocked so yeah pretty definitely. cool what's your sober date
1: so my sober date is the 30th of april
0: 22 oh, that's my wedding anniversary oh um, no way. <laughs> yeah. oh that's so lovely how many years have you been married it'll be it'll be 19 years oh this year. wow oh yeah. my goodness you not not old enough to be married <laughs> that's
1: amazing well thank you, you must yeah. be baby?
0: I was 24. (laughs) Yeah, I was 24. So I was a baby. Congratulations. That's lovely. Thank you. Do you have plans? Have you have you thought that far ahead? So
1: um, not yet. No, I mean, I definitely want balloons involved um, and cake. And so my kids, I've got three boys, so they are 11. Um, my middle one turns six next week, and then I've got a little one who's two and a half. So, um, although they don't really one hundred percent understand, obviously, what's going on, um, my eldest one knows that I don't drink wine anymore, and uh, he just says I'm I'm a lot less grumpy, which Aww. is so sweet. But I mean, they, they didn't see me drinking. You know, I was drinking in the evening, and I, I was I was high functioning. You know, and I was still there for them and a, a good mum. So. You know, it, I didn't have any, it didn't have any kind of negative effects on them, luckily. But um, I still think that I'm better, much better and more present. You know, I'm not rushing through bath time and bedtime so I can get downstairs and have a glass of wine. You know, so I'm definitely, they are reaping the effects, even if they don't know it. But, um, but yeah, so I, I think... I don't know, they'll I'm hoping they'll they'll do something nice if my husband's listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> something.
0: Make sure.
1: Here's yeah. your hint. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um but it's it's a nice time as well, as, isn't it, April? Because you know, I love spring and um and yeah, so it's And it's so great to be able to do like a year because I've done, you know, like I've done my mum's anniversary, I've done my birthday, I've done all my kids' birthday parties, which are normally sometimes kind of quite, you know, this kind of mummy wine culture, Mm -hmm. an excuse to have a glass of wine or whatever. I've done all of those, done Christmas, which was a biggie. And I did actually find that really hard, to be honest, like it was tricky for me. Not that I ever wanted to drink, but it just it just felt like I was being triggered by lots of different stuff, you know, even when I was wrapping the presents, you know, I'd normally have a glass of wine, you know, the mince pies, the drinks parties. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a tricky, I'd say 10 days, pretty Mm much. And that weird time between Christmas and New Year, you know, when you don't really know what day it is, but you just start drinking at like four o'clock in the afternoon because you can. So that was quite weird. But you know, I've done it. And I'm you know, next year, I'm sure it'll be easier. And yeah, the thought of previously, when I did stop, I was really worried about the summer and um, barbecues or holidays and that kind of stuff, you know, sitting outside with a glass of rosé in the sun. Um, And now if I ever think um, that I want that, I kind of romanticize about it. I, I do play it forward. I have to just think well when was the last time it was just ever one glass of rosé in the sun you know it wasn't it was you know the rest of the bottle and then perhaps another two glasses from another bottle until I you know knew that that was game over and then cancelled plans the next day you know that's I don't want that anymore so and I know if I have one glass of wine it's not just going to be one glass of wine because it never was So those are kind of the, that's the main tool that I use. I don't really get cravings anymore, but when I did the first few months, particularly over the last, like last summer, I had to just remind myself. um, And I, I, you know, I really just, I don't want to go back to that scary time where I was desperate. Like if you'd said to me a year and a half ago, you will have done nearly a year's sobriety. I would just be like, wow, that is amazing. I I wouldn't have believed it was possible. So, you know, I just have to think about where I was and how far I've come. And there's no way I'd go through that first, what, 40 days again. Like, that was hard. You know, it really was. Mm-hmm. Um, And if you're doing that right now, then, like, hats off. You can do it, but it is tough.
0: Push through you
1: know, it. Those cravings come fast. You know, for me, yeah. they did anyway around you know, that's sort of when the kids are having their tea, that sort of six o'clock time and have a glass of wine. That was, you know, that was a big, big thing for me. So mm-hmm. I did replace it temporarily with probably things that I shouldn't have been eating because I was getting the sugar cravings And yeah, I, you kind of just have to do what you have to do. You have
0: to. Yeah. I love the, I love the playing it forward. And I love the, like, self-talk because I did the same thing. And I I made it, I turned it into this, that part of my brain that was wanting the alcohol or the wine, I would like called it the toddler. So I would treat that narrative in my mind as a toddler. I would talk to it like a caring adult parent, letting this toddler know, now this is not good for us. We're not going to throw a fit about it. The answer is no. You know what's going to You know brilliant. what I mean? And if you yeah. can separate it, because the problem is, I think, with a lot of us is we believe every thought we have and we get tangled up into it. And all it is is a thought. It's There's no truth behind it. And if you can call it out for what it is it really does work as silly as it sounds and it's all going. Yeah. Sometimes I think it does, but thank you for saying that. (laughs) But you know, and it's like, if you can just do that, if you can get yourself to the point where you are calling out, some people call it the wine, witch, Mm -hmm. however you want to see it, but make sure you separate it from your true self. The person who logically knows that the alcohol is no good, that you don't want it anymore. That's the voice that needs to be in control. And that's the voice that needs to convince the other voice. And you need to let it win over the other voice every time. It's the only way I can explain it. Yeah. But I think that that's a sh- another shift that happens that makes it stick because yeah, you're letting right, me. right. You me? finally realized it's not you. You used to co- connect your identity to it and think it was, but we have a choice. And when we realize we have a choice and we can separate it, that's when the magic really starts to happen. That's when you can dig your heels in and be like, I am done with this. Like, this is no good.
1: Yeah. That's so true. Acknowledge it, you know, and then move on. But yeah, you don't need to listen to it.
0: And that's the craving, and I always say this to like the cravings, they don't last long just wait them out. Like you said, if you need to have a chocolate bar or a piece of cake or, you know, a diet soda, like all these things that you probably, like for me, I used to avoid all that stuff. Cause I'm like, well, that's no good for me. But then drink a bottle of wine makes a lot of sense, but get that stigma out of your head too, because you know, no one's life fell apart from eating too much chocolate, but your life could fall apart from drinking too much alcohol. So yeah. don't be so hard on yourself the sugar cravings are real the amount of sugar we were consuming as drinkers is way more i don't think you physically could consume that much sugar without getting sick you know what i mean like you're you're not going to probably ever get to that level but it's a real thing and you just it works its way out i feel like i still eat desserts more than i ever did but i also know that it's not even close to the amount of calories and sugar that i was ever consuming with alcohol so that's where i tell myself have it, enjoy it. It's supposed to be enjoyed.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, the amount of sugar, as you say, in like one small glass of wine is probably the equivalent of like a normal dessert that you'd have. So Yeah. yeah, I'm completely with you on that. And yeah, it did, you know, it did take probably until the 6 or 7 month mark for me to kind of actually be ready as well emotionally um and to actually address the i had i did end up putting on on about half a stone when i stopped drinking but you know that and at the time that kind of really scared me but i've now been able to address that and now it's falling off i've lost like a stone and a half i've still got you know a little bit to go but um you know that that's so much easier as well because your body is able to just break down everything, and it's not just furiously trying to process this, you know, this sugar and this alcohol. Um, it's actually able to do its proper job that it's meant to
0: be doing. Yeah, and you're um, not inflamed. You know? mm-hmm. The inflammation's yeah. terrible.
1: Yeah, and you know what? No one tells you about the, um, you know, the sober glow, and you can see it. You know, on I've had like comments. I mean, I've never had terrible skin but it was pretty dull and dehydrated mm-hmm. and my eyes were you know i looked pretty dead behind my eyes yeah um and it is just it's crazy how you can really see it it just it's yeah it's a physical you have a physical i and i read something um a few weeks ago and it said that um after six months after stopping drinking that you're actually um you will get better looking so and I actually think that's true as well because you've seen some there's so many like before and after pictures and the transformation pictures and people just look unbelievable just you know uh, just stopping drinking the the, the alcohol the poison and it's amazing the effect it has
0: yeah it's like the life comes back in their eyes you can just see this glow and this sparkle in their eye and it's and then yeah the pu- like I feel like especially in, like old pictures of me my eyes were just like slits like there was so much inflammation and puffiness going on in my body that oh, yeah I do feel yeah, and the blood I had shot, a- the bloodshot eyes Yeah I had a my friend um come over around Christmas time and I have at Christmas time I bring like certain photos out that are like Christmas photos and there's a photo of my husband and I and my daughter we're all three sitting on Santa's lap. It's kind of funny, cute little picture. And I always put it out at Christmas time. My friend came over for coffee and she was looking at the picture and she looks at me and then she looks at the picture. She goes, you know, I see you a lot and I know that you, you look better, but to look at that picture of you, she's like, stuff. I can't believe the change, like seeing it side by side. She's like, look at how puffy your face was. She's like, you almost look like a completely different person. Yeah. Yeah. It just changes the way you look, doesn't it?
1: The mm-hmm. like the swollen
0: cheeks and just everything, as you say. Yeah, yeah. my daughter was like, "Mom, your cheekbones look awesome." <laughs> like, yeah, they're there. I actually have cheekbones, oh. believe it or not. Like, I just feel like I was like so puffed out, and my belly was puffy. Like, my yeah. knees hurt all the time from inflammation, and I just there's just so many physical things that you get. You kind of just chalk up to old age or, you know, like, I was like, oh, my knees hurt. You know, I played basketball and I was a dancer growing up and I just was really hard on my body. That's why my knees hurt. And you just accept it as like, that's just what life's going to be now. But now Mm -hmm. that I don't have, I'm not drinking an inflammatory liquid all the time, my knee pain is gone. I can work out and build muscle on my legs to help support my knees. Like, it's just like, it just builds builds and builds and builds and builds and builds and it's all positive stuff
1: it really is and no one tells you this do they you know at the beginning um kind of I was sober curious for uh, you know a couple I guess a couple of years while I was wanting to give up and I was trying to moderate and I was listening to a lot of the podcasts but yeah I don't think any of them necessarily spoke or if they did I didn't hear it because obviously it's you only hear what you want to hear as well but all the you know all the positive things um I I just wasn't I wasn't hearing it and I wasn't getting it, but then maybe even if I had, I still wouldn't have actually, you know, take the plunge and done it um, until the time was right.
0: Yeah. I think you have to be ready to hear it, but that's, what's great about all these podcasts and everything. Cause there's so many to choose from and there's so, if going to listen to this at the right time, someone's going to hear this right when they're open to receive everything we have to say and it will change someone's life. It will make them find. Yeah. I think it'll make them finally believe enough in themselves and want, you have to want it for yourself, right? You can't, Oh, I need to do it because I have legal problems now, or because my spouse threatened to leave me if I don't quit drinking or, you know, nobody wants to be forced into this. I know I wouldn't have ever, I would have dug my heels in if someone tried to force me to do it. But as soon as you start questioning it and know that it's really starting to affect your life and you're open to it, that's when that's when you can really yeah. take charge of it and take control.
1: Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because it, it sounds like, you know, you were quite similar, like you knew that there was an issue yourself and, you know, and I, it was exactly the same for me. I knew that there was a problem and, and no one else around me, you know, would see that there was a problem, but I just knew that there was a problem. Something had to be done. Whereas you know there are quite a lot of people out there who refuse to admit that they've got a problem yeah that makes it very very difficult for people around them um you know and and i am very pleased that actually for me it happened the other way around and i didn't lose anything and i didn't have any rock bottoms um or anything like that but And there was no, no ultimatum, you know, my husband wasn't saying, if you don't stop drinking, you know, I'm leaving or anything like that. But yeah, I am pleased for me that it did just happen this way. And that I was the one who was able to take back that control. I think, um, you know, that that has helped me a lot. And that's made it a lot easier.
0: Mm -hmm. And I love that narrative between us saying those things, because if there's someone that's listening now that maybe they listen, they listen to these podcasts because they have a loved one. That struggles with alcohol. Um, they can take some note from that and understand a little bit where their head might be and know that forcing them or trying to al- give them ultimatums and things is only going to push them away. And that, you know, that's something that I think people need to learn as well. Cause we don't, we don't learn these things in school. And like you said, there's just not a lot of conversation about it. And, and, It's becoming such a big problem. It's becoming way too normal in society to binge drink on the weekends and party and mommy wine culture. And we got to pump the brakes because so many people are getting so wrapped up in it and we're losing people and marriages are getting ruined and children are losing their parents. And it's just we got to just keep talking
1: you know the psychological effects as well it can I think from the other side you you look at it from the the the, well specifically the mummy wine culture but you look at it from the position of the mum but actually it's really damaging for the children as well you're like am I that awful that my mum has to drink gin all day or you know I wine what is the saying about I yeah um, I, I wine because my Kids wine or whatever. Uh-huh, but uh-huh. Like how that's bad for from a kid's point of view, you know, thinking, oh, I'm, I'm too much for my mom to cope with without alcohol. And that's obviously, you know, what what adults do and what parents do. But that's a terrible lesson, isn't it? To teach your kids.
0: Right. And then it's teaching them how to cope with problems when they're an adult, you know, yeah. like, oh, I but, can't right, wait so- till. Yeah. I can't wait till I'm older and I can drink wine like mom because that's how she solves her problems. So that's how I'm going to solve my problems. We don't realize they're watching every move we make and everything we do. And yeah. So if you don't want your children to end up, because here's the thing that was actually, my daughter witnessed all my drinking. Um, She's the only child. So she And we drank at home and we'd have people at the home all the time. Like our house was where everyone gathered to drink. So she grew up around it. And when I decided to get sober, my biggest, my biggest, like, oh shit moment was what if now that I understand why I was drinking, where it was headed, I was in a panic that she was going to end up being a heavy drinker because that's all she witnessed. And Luckily. So I'm telling you, it's never too late because she's 14. So she was 13 when I got sober. That's 13 years of thinking that that's normal because that's what she grew up with. And she's, she's 14 and we've had conversations. I actually did a whole podcast conversation with her and it's changed her lo- outlook on alcohol. It really has. So I want parents
1: to be able to see the changes in the you contrast. as well. She really will be able to see it. So from Mm -hmm. that point of view, it's almost, it's good that she is a little bit older because she'll see how, you know, how great you are now and all the positive changes.
0: Yeah. So that's another thing. If anybody ever just feels like, oh my gosh, I totally like having mommy guilt over mommy wine. Don't, it's never too late. I mean, our kids, even though especially teenagers, you feel like they just can sometimes think you're just the most annoying thing in the world. They really do love us and look up to us and look to us to guide them on on what to do, because it is a really, really weird time, as we all know, like we're trying to figure out who we are and what's right and what's wrong. And I don't know. I just think it's never too late to to do that for your kids. Yeah,
1: and teenagers have got so much to deal with anyway, at the moment, you know, compared to the sort of 80s yeah. and early 90s when I was growing up. Yep. Um. It's a, you know, it's a it's a whole different ballgame, isn't it? Um, but I do think that there's has been a bit of a shift you know I've got nieces and nephews who are teenagers or in their early 20s and the amount that they drink is definitely a lot less than I was drinking in my 20s you know I think there's less binge drinking there is a lot more focus on exercise and health which is fantastic you know and that's that's what it should be
0: I know I love that I've noticed that as well So it's just, it makes me so happy. It makes me so hopeful for the future, you know? Definitely. Thank you for listening to the podcast today. Remember, I am just a woman on a mission to normalize sobriety and living a sober lifestyle. I am not a licensed therapist or a doctor. Please, if alcohol is causing serious physical or mental health issues, seek professional help. If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to hit follow so you don't miss any future episodes. Also, leaving a five-star review will help this podcast reach more people like you in the sober community. It's an easy way to spread the word in normalizing a sober lifestyle. You should never feel alone in sobriety, so feel free to reach out to me via email or through my Instagram account at this is Steph Sober. Links to both are are listed in the show notes.